uh, clearly his salvation. He gave it to me. Anybody glad that he gave you salvation? And here, hey, listen, if you're here today and you don't know, you're not sure. There was no doubt in my mind when I gave my heart to Jesus. You know, if you've never been a sinner, you don't know what it's like to be a saint. Come on now. Some people, and I found this to be so in the church, some people have been saved so long they don't even know what it's like. They can't be grateful for maybe you've never done nothing wrong. But trust me, you did. If I talk to your parents, they'd tell me you've probably done something wrong. Uh, but you believe you didn't. And if you believe you didn't, you're believing a lie. How many know we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God? But the good news is, Jesus saves. And I know what that's like. And I'm just grateful this morning. Thank you for allowing me to reminisce a little bit. I want to start today a series on God Knows. This has been on my heart for quite some time. How many believes with the two words I just said? How many believes in that? How many believe God knows? It's a question, people. How many of you believe that God knows? Yeah, there you are. Is he, is, he, is he talking to us? Yes, I'm talking to you. I want you to get this throughout the series. I want you to get it. God absolutely knows. He absolutely knows. Now, how many of you, I'm going to ask you another question, so be ready. It's, it, it's requiring a response, just in case you don't know. It's 22 years we've been here asking you for responses. And yet we still try. But here's the deal. I'm going to ask you another question. How many of you have ever been in a place where you haven't known or you don't know? Yeah. How about every day? Every day. I, I, think, I think I know. When I was younger, Pastor Mark, I thought I knew something. Then I went to Bible school. I thought I knew more. I went to seminary. thought I knew even more. But the more I learned, the less I realized that I knew. There's so much I don't know. And maybe you know everything. I know people like that. Don't raise your hand because you know them too. Or some people know everything and you can't even you can't even say something. They don't have a better answer. You say something on any topic, they got a better idea about it. They know more than you. Well, it doesn't take a little whole a whole lot to know more than me. Congratulations. But I want to start this series to, 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 to help you. Hope you're encouraged. It's the first one from Exodus chapter 2, 23, 25. And it's blessing me. It's blessing me. The series is blessing me. And I don't know that you can preach a sermon that first doesn't bless the preacher. I mean, no, it ought to bless the preacher before it blesses the congregation. And, uh, and so my prayer and my hope is that it will bless you too. Exodus chapter 2, if you're there, shout amen. And now it happened. Uh, it happened. How many know things happen? It happened uh, after a long time. How many feels like whatever you've been through has been a long time? No? Okay. Well, maybe it's just going in your ears. I'm going to stop asking questions because you're not responding anyways. It happened after a long time, about 40 years, in fact, that the king of Egypt died. If you didn't know it, how many know every one of us die sooner or later? And so, well, Lazarus didn't die. Uh, yes, he did. Twice. He died once. God raised him from the dead. Then he died again. I mean, no, it's appointed unto man once to die. Egypt, uh, the king of Egypt, he died, Pharaoh. And the children of Israel, Jacob's people, groaned and sighed 
because of the bondage they were in. And they cried out. And their cry for help, because of their bondage, ascended to God. I wrote it, and I, and I highlighted it, and, and, I, and I bolded it, and I underlined it. And I want to I I emphasize it to you. God has heard your cry. Listen, folks, sometimes when you're in a, uh, and it's a long time, after a long time, sometimes when you're in a trial or a problem or a situation, for a long time, you feel like maybe God's not listening or he can't hear you. But how many know God knows? God knows. So they, so God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God saw the sons of Israel and God took notice of them. And he was concerned about them. Knowing all. The theological term is omniscient. I'm nice science. God knows everything. Anybody agree with that? Is there anything God doesn't know? Absolutely not. He knows all. He never one time in 40 years stopped and said, hey, Ron, hey, Ron, really, I'm stumped about a situation. Could you help me? Not one time. He knows all. He understands all. And he remembers all. I mean, oh, he keeps good records. So the Israelites have now been in Egypt almost 400 years. There's no biblical record of any prophet speaking to them during this time. That's a long time. How many know 400 years is a long time? It's the same length of time from Malachi to Matthew. Remember that on Wednesday night? 400 years. Silence. Silence. No record. No words from the Lord. Just abuse. No record of any writings handed down from Abraham to the next generation about God. And dealing with the patriarchs for 400 years, other than maybe oral tradition, which is a story passed down uh, from generation to generation, right? So here they are. Israelites are slaves to the Pharaoh. He's putting a hurt on them. They're suffering. They're struggling. I mean, the church has had seasons of struggle for the last 2,000 years. And longer than that. I mean, the people of God have struggled. The Jews struggled many, many years, thousands of years. Millennium. So the Pharaoh despised them, trying to wipe them out, killing all the baby boys, right? That's why Moses' mother put him in the Nile, because they were killing, they were drowning other kids in the Nile. So she said, if anybody's going to put my baby in the Nile, it's going to be me, and my God will take care of him. Amen? And so that's faith. I'm thankful for faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the Israelites are saying, is God there? Does God hear? Does God know where I'm at? Is God in this place? Pastor Ron, I came to church, but you don't know the pain I'm dealing with. You don't know how I pushed to get here today. You don't know how long I've been in the situation I'm in. And i got to tell you, you're absolutely right. I don't know. But I do know the one who does know. Come on now. God knows. So what's caused you to cry out to God lately? Have you cried out in pain? Maybe a death of a loved one? The worst pain in all is the death of a child. There's no greater pain. Mothers cry and weep. Fathers can't imagine going on with life. Have you ever tried to save money to meet some obligations you had? Found out that the savings you saved up are disappearing overnight? I mean, oh, that happens easily. 
It happens. Unexpected medical bills. How many ever had those? They just come up. Things happen. I said things happen. And and it surprises us sometimes. But can I tell you? It doesn't surprise God. Maybe you're suffering from an illness that you can't seem to shake. God knows. You're crying out to God for those you love, walking in sin. People are heading to destruction. You can't do nothing about it. Maybe that's you. Are you crying out for God for unreached people? When I think about missions, how many ever pray for missionaries and missions? Absolutely. There's people on the other side of the world never heard the name of Jesus. They're stabbing swords through their cheek to worship a God that they don't even know because spirits come on them whenever they do. How many know it's evil spirits? They're worshiping a strange God and a, and a demon God, and they, and they have manifestations. How many know they're, it's real, and they don't know that God exists? But how many believe God knows they exist? He has a plan. God has a plan. But uh, maybe you're praying for them and you think that maybe you feel like America's hopeless. I mean, well, that's easy to feel. But God knows. God knows where America is and God knows where you are. And we don't see any, any, any answers. And that's why this morning, three verses about God's response to the suffering of his people. And we found them right here. In the Hebrew, the author uses only 15 words to answer their questions. And amazingly, he reports and repeats the name of God four times in these verses. I mean, no, Yahweh is the answer. Come on now, God is the answer for your situation. Say, Pastor, 400 years, I never heard from God. I begged and pleaded and cried, wept all night, every night, and there's no answer. I remember. Hey, on this pastor appreciation, can I tell you? Pastors bleed too. Pastors bleed too. Don't they, Mark? Don't they, Cindy? Pastors bleed too. Missionaries bleed too, don't they, David and Amy? And I remember my mother had come down with Alzheimer's, and I prayed my guts out, prayed and prayed as we pray for people in the altars and see God do miracles. How many know God still does miracles? So we'll pray at the altar for them. They'll receive a healing. Go pray for your own mom, and nothing happens. Boy, that's a, that's a tough place. It's a tough place. But I'm not here to be sad. I'm here to encourage somebody in the Lord four times. Written, this is written 3,500 years ago, and the verse speaks to us this morning. Why? Because God hears our cries. God hears our cries. And, you know, Maybe you're not going through a season of trial right now, so maybe this doesn't apply to you, but I doubt it. Whatever your cry is, this word is for you. So lift your hand to the Lord, and let's take this whole series. Come on, lift your hand to the Lord. Let's bring this whole series before God, and let's ask God to bless it. Father, right now we take the whole series. We read the word of God today, and we understand that we're going to break it down. We're going to look at it real good. But we understand people are hurting this morning. We understand that. And we know that this, this, this uh, couple of chapters here in Exodus show us the situation the Israelites were facing in Egypt. Centuries, centuries after the death of Joseph. And then this Pharaoh dies and another Pharaoh arises. They had favor and now it seems the favor is waning. 
Speak to us today, Lord, throughout this series, in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted. It's amazing sometimes God prospers us. How many love the seasons of prosperity? Only two of you. How many love it when God pours out his favor and blessing on you? Yeah, we all do. As a pastor, I love seasons of revival. I love seasons when people are doing well and healings are taking place. We're blessed. Got all that we need. But listen, if you stay long enough, as Melissa and I have stayed in one church long enough, I mean, you'll see a season of pain in somebody's life. You stay long enough. Stay longer than a year. I say, I have friends that say, I've been pastoring 15 years. And I say, no, you haven't. You pastored 15 churches one year at a time. So in actuality, you only pastored one year. Then you changed a group, pastored that group for a year. Then you changed another group, and you pastored that group for a year. It's like having 15 wives. I mean, nobody wants 15 wives. Look what happened to Solomon. But if you keep one commitment for long enough, how I many know it will affect change? You'll begin to go through seasons of people who have heartache and pain. And uh, the Israelites, wow, <laughs> they went through prosperity with the Pharaoh and Joseph. They grew in number to such extent that the new ruler of Egypt sees them as a threat. They were growing. They were being blessed, right, under the hand of blessing and favor. And all of a sudden, that Pharaoh dies, and a new Pharaoh arises, vicious and wicked. So he issues three commands. Enslave the Israelites, setting ruthless taskmasters over them. You're going to make brick, and you're going to build a god. You know, you're going to build everything that I want built. And then he, you know, as, as Moses came later, he even upped the ante and made it harder and harder and harder. He was wicked. Kill his own family. And the, for the midwives to kill all their babies at time of birth, he didn't want these people to grow and become blessed. He was threatened by the overtaking of them. I mean, there's a lot of insecure people out in the world. They're threatened by position. You get a job and you go on the job and somebody, you you could be the janitor. But if they see any any work ethic in you, they start shaking because you could take over their job. They can be CEO and they're scared to death because you're sweeping the floors on your way to owning the company. Paranoia. I mean, there's a lot of people that are insecure about a lot of things. Fear has gripped the heart of a lot of people, even in the church. And pain, heartache. So after that fails, he, he throws all the baby boys into the Nile. And although the Israelites continue to grow in number, despite all this oppression, they're suffering greatly, and it brings us to their cry. Their cry came up to the Lord. I don't know if you believe in the power of prayer. But the thing that has sustained Melissa and I and this church and our staff and our people has been the prayers of the saints. It's been the fact that we are praying church and we believe in the power of prayer. We agree in prayer. We, we, we intercede in prayer. We, we, we bow our hearts in prayer and praise and worship. We at Oak Grove are absolutely dependent upon our God. And that's the way it was for the Israelites. Many, many years. They were taught that, right? Now they're crying out to God, and after 400 years, wow, wow, God is there. And, um, and he heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, and God knew. So 
So these verses, uh, I just want to show you, it's basically the headline, right? If you want an outline, here it is. Not going to get any simpler than this. God hears, God remembers, God sees, and God knows. Max, take a picture of that. You don't have to write again for the rest of the day. That's the four points. It's not going to get any easier. That is called a textual sermon. It's coming right out of the text. How many know it's something clear that the Bible is letting us know today? This is not my opinion. This is not what I think about it. How many know the word of God today is saying God will hear your prayer? It's a long time from when the time you pray and cry out to God. Sometimes it's a long time before that prayer comes to fruition. But here's what I want you to know. doesn't mean that God didn't hear you. I mean, oh, God heard you before you even uttered your word to the Lord. He's always been there. Amen? He hears. Let's consider him hearing. The Israelites certainly wondered whether God was hearing. Did he hear my cry? Does he hear? Does he even uh, notice the one who instructs us? He who has an ear, let him hear. Doesn't he tell us that? How many times in the book of Revelation does he say, he who has an ear, let him hear? How many know God hears too? And he hears your cry. If that doesn't comfort you, we can close right here and go home. If if you don't believe God hears and answers prayer, you're going to really be in trouble. Listen to me. He is omniscient. That means he knows everything. He knew it before you even asked, right? He knew your need before you even uttered a word. He's omniscient. Excuse me, he's also omnipresent. Means he's present everywhere all the time, the same time. He's here. And how many know today he's in Fiji at the same time? And when I was in Fiji, how many know he was here and there? In fact, next week when I talk about Psalm 139, that's your assignment for next week. Read Psalm 139. How many know he's everywhere? He's omnipresent. There's no place you can go to get away from him. And then, and then he's omnipotent to potency of our God. I mean, oh, he has all power. Not only is he here, we want answers right away, but the Israelites are suffering, struggling 400 years. No encouragement, nothing but pain. But he's the one who hears. Amen? The psalmist says, when the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears. God hears. Can somebody shout, God hears? One more time. God hears. And if we know that he hears us, the scripture says in the New Testament, ask, ask God. And if we know that he hears us, he will answer. Call on me and I will answer, says the Lord. Amen. So when the righteous call, he hears. Number two, God remembers. Not only does he hear, but he also remembers. Remembers what, Pastor? He remembers his covenant. See, it doesn't matter that the Abrahamic covenant was so long before. Right? It doesn't matter that 400 years is gone. We have a God who never forgets. He knows what he committed to. He knows his covenant to you. And he remembers. He remembers. If we would remember our covenants, how many know we'd stay married a long time? But if we break the covenant, how many know it messes us up? If we don't remember the covenant we made, how many know it will mess us up? We won't make it. We won't make it. We need to be reminded. 
But listen to me. We're human frailty. God is God. If anybody's going to break a covenant, how many know it won't be God? He made a covenant with you. He loves you. Does anybody believe this today? On the beginning of this series, I want you to know he hears you and he remembers the love he has for you. He knows the plans he has for you. He remembers the covenant he made with you. From the seed of Abraham, all the earth will be cursed. No, 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 no. All the earth will be what? Blessed. Well, pastor, sure don't feel like a blessing right now. You don't know what I'm going through, and it doesn't feel like I'm blessed right now. But how many know God knows right where you are? Amen? And so, at the time of the formal establishment of the covenant with Abraham, God tells him about this very time when his descendants will cry out in Egypt. God told Abraham this would happen. Way back then, God told Abraham this would happen. Your people would be brought out to Egypt and be in bondage. Remember? He already knew. He knew before and he knew after. How many know he's the Alpha and the Omega? He's the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last. There's nothing he doesn't know. There's no epoch of time where he's not already been. He's before time was and he's after time ends. He's the eternal God and he hears and he remembers. Then the Lord said to him, know for certain. Look what he said, Genesis 15. Know for certain, Abraham. Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. They will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years, but I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. And afterwards, they will come out with great possessions. That ought to make Pentecostals want to shout right there. When you get in a place where you can't see the outcome being positive, you should go back and revisit the covenant God made. Look at the word of the Lord. Read it all and see that he already knew. He already had prophesied. He already had shown Abraham. But there was no prophet to tell. Well, listen, I'm not the prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I came to tell you God will keep his word. Come on, church. The deal is still on. Whatever God deal God made with Abraham is still on today. Amen? That's worth shouting about right there. And the time in Egypt was not unexpected occurrence to God. He was not caught off God, off guard by the journey. God planted centuries previously. He had no promise. He promised their deliverance. And this prophesied deliverance was certain to come to pass in the fullness of time. There's that tricky part. It's that time thing. We look at time chronologically, but God is beyond time. Amen? God is beyond 400 years. A thousand. What? A thousand years is like a day, and a day is a thousand years. A thousand years. A thousand years. Are y'all hearing me? It's like a day. So six days ago, God spoke everything into existence. And on the seventh, he rested. If that's so, how many know he could come and bring us to our eternal rest any moment now? How many know? How many believe there's a rapture coming? God knows all about it. In the fullness of time, he's going to deliver all of us if we believe the covenant. 
So he said it. He heard, he heard their prayer and, and he covenanted with them, told them it was going to happen and deliverance was coming. What about us? Has he not also said to us, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations and then the end shall come? And he told us that? Well, we got a lot of work to do. More generally, God has promised each of Abraham's seed, Isaac, Jacob, you, and me, that he will bless the nations through their offspring. Given these promises, God had to remember he could not forget his people in Egypt. Couldn't forget Egypt. Couldn't forget David. Couldn't forget the apostles, right? And he's not going to forget you. Last week we said we would never forget 9-11. Just a treacherous moment in our nation's history. Crazy. Such death, such struggling, such suffering. And the, and the victims and the families of the victims of all kinds of war and disasters and crisis that are maybe even going on in your life today. God will never forget you. If you're comforted by that, would you lift a hand to the Lord and praise him? Come on, just lift a hand to the Lord and say, thank you, Father, that you're, you're a covenant keeper. You're a covenant promise keeper. That your word is true and that you hear us and that you remember your covenant with us. God will indeed fulfill the promise. We can know with certainty that he will, and he will use his church to bring it about. Amen? Isaiah 49. The prophet portrays the fears of the exiled Israelites. God has forgotten them. Even in exile, remember that? Seems like they just come out of exile, go back into exile. Come out of exile, go back into exile. Just seems like one thing after the other. Anybody have a long trial? Anybody ever have a long trial? So look what he said. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. That's what Israel said. But God said, can a woman forget her nursing child? That she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you, says the Lord. I have engraved you. I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. Hallelujah. I have engraved you on the palm of my hand. You know, I was engraved on the palm of God's hand long before I was even in his hand. He had me before I was even to be had. I mean, oh, God already knew. He knew before you walked through the door today what you faced yesterday. He knew, and he knows, and he cares, and he loves us, and everybody shouted amen. If we're God's people, our names are right on God's palm, directly in front of his face. We're right there, right there. Amen. Amen. When I worship the Lord, I do the palms up kind of thing. There are my palms in front of me. You know he knows my name. I love that song. He knows my name. He knows my name. It's right there. You can forget me. I tease. My last church, I used to tease. I say, oh, now we love you, Pastor. Pastor Preacher, we love you. I said, whenever I, whenever I die, y'all going to put me in the casket and go in the back and eat potato salad and forget I ever existed. <laughs> and so on my last day at the church before I came to convoy, 
They had the biggest bowl of potato salad you could ever imagine. <laughs> and and they all brought their white hanky, you know, yeah, to help me preach my last sermon over there. They brought their white hanky. They loved us, and we loved them. And how many know we still love them? Because in my mind, you don't stop loving and having covenant just because you leave the logistically the area. Just because you come to Springfield doesn't mean you can't love Rayville. Come on now. And so God remembers us. Even though we can't feel it, even though we can't see it, we are his people, never to be forgotten. Can God forget? Come on now. Can God forget anything? It's hard to imagine because, you know, whenever Adam sinned with Eve and uh, they ran and hid behind the bushes, remember that? And uh, and God walks in the cool of the day and he said, Adam, where are you? Where art thou, King James? Adam, where art thou? He said, he's hiding. He's hiding, Taylor. He's And, and so do you think that God didn't know where Adam was? You think God somehow lost Adam? No, no, friends. You can't hide from the presence of our God. Hey, if you're not living for God, how many know that's a little scary? <laughs> if you're living in sin today, how many know that's pretty wild? But you're not going to get away with anything. That's next week's sermon. God bless America. He's always there. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes and amen through Christ. Number three, and I'm moving along. Not only does he hear, not only does he remember, God sees. He sees you. Jehovah Roi. Jehovah Roi. He sees you. He sees you. Nobody notices you. You don't think anybody cares about you. If people come to church sometimes, you didn't even shake my hand, Pastor. Really? Really? I didn't even recognize you. hadn't been here in a hundred years. Come on, shout somebody. <laughs> Woo, that felt good to say that anyway. God sees the Israelites. He sees all that's happening to them. The slavery, the slaughter, the murder of their children, the worst oppression which is coming. The worst hadn't even happened yet. What is Satan's plan for you? Because I can tell you this. He has one. And tell you where it's found, John 10, 10. The thief comes to what? Kill, steal, destroy. That's Satan's plan for your life. You either belong to Satan or you belong to God. How I many know if you belong to God, he will hear you, remember, and see you. If you belong to the enemy, he will steal, kill, and destroy you. That's it. So he sees us, and I'm glad. The enemies of God, especially Satan himself, always try to get God's people to think that God doesn't see them or hear them or even care for them. And that's what Satan told Adam and Eve. God doesn't care about you. He doesn't care about you. He didn't give you all that tree over there. If he cared about you, he'd give you that tree. See that? It's called temptation. But the Lord knows those who are his. Amen? God knows those who are his. Jesus said, uh, consider the lilies of the field. Just look at the lilies of the field, the birds of the air. They don't work and try and 
hustle and bustle and work to get attention. And yet God sees every one of them. Right? He knows every hair on your head and mine. And Brian, he has to count ours every day in case one pops up. And so he sees. He always, he always sees. The psalmist quotes such enemies uh, in 94th Psalm, verse 7. The Lord does not see. The God of Jacob does not perceive. This is the perception the psalmist is having. Listen to this. God doesn't see me. It's what the psalmist is saying. God of Jacob doesn't perceive. Understand, O oh, dullest of peoples, fools, when, you, will you, when will you be wise? He who planted the ear, does he not hear? He who formed the eye, does he not see? That's an encouraging word, O oh, growth. The God who gave you ears, you don't think he can hear you? The God who planted eyeballs, you don't think he can see you? When you can't see, how many know he can still see? When you can't hear, he can still hear. And it's always the tough times that get us, isn't it? I mean, when we're hearing clearly and seeing clearly, when things are blessed and favored, everything's going good, we have no problem. Boy, when we get in through a struggle, hard times come. It's hard to see God. But God always sees us. Amen? And finally, and all God's optimistic people said, not even amen. God knows. God knows. God knows. The final clause is the most important and also the hardest to translate. English translators have struggled with this phrase and have rendered it many ways. The NIV was says God was concerned about them. The NAU took notice of them. The King James Version had respect unto them. But all these translations include considerable interpretation. The Hebrew is quite the simplest. God knew. And God knew. In fact, the word to know, or K-N-O-W, is yada, Y-A-D-A, in the Hebrew, or yada. It, not just to know intellectually, but to very intimately know. Can I tell you, God intimately knows you. Intimately, intimacy, into me see. That's what he says, into me see. He sees inside of me. He knows the intents of my thoughts and my heart. Man judges the outward appearance, but how many know God? He judges your heart. God knows. In this context, what is it that God knows, Pastor? What does the author of Exodus mean by this phrase, God knew? Well, the primary idea is that God knows the problems the Israelites are having, and he's concerned about them. He knows they've been killed, killing their babies, destroying their families. He knows what's going on, oppressed, depressed, decompressed, everything. God knows. God knows. And surely this part of the meaning, but... Brought out a few verses later in, in 3.7. It's in parallel uh, to 2.24 and 25, using three of the four Hebrew words we considered this morning. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen, surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard, heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sufferings. 
Exodus 3, 7. So here he repeats, reiterates what he already said in chapter 2. He says again chapter 3. In case they didn't get it, that's why it's a series. I'm going to harp on this until you walk out of here with your hands held high, your eyes lifted up. My eyes are lifted up to the hills from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what is it that God knows? I know your sufferings. God knows their pain, their sorrow, their loss, and he cares. But in this context, the expression God knew means much more than that. Think, think, what else does God know that's relevant to the Israelite situation? What else does God know that is relevant to your situation? Well, here it is real quickly. Four things God knows in addition to their suffering that he knows about. Number one, he knows their present weakness. Can I tell you, we're going to watch a video of a song in just a minute by Jeremy Camp. How many Jeremy Camp people back in the day? Anybody? Three of you. Wow. I'm feeling blessed and old today. Jeremy Camp. The young, young people are like, Jeremy who? The older people are like, did he see Jeremy Camp? Jeremy went to camp. So he knows their present weakness. He knows their present weakness. Can I tell you right now? God knows your present weakness. Not weakness, weakness, but weakness, lack of strength. He knows both. Amen? He knows that they can't do nothing to help themselves. He knows they're, unless he acts, they're lost. The psalmist said, for he knows our frame. He remembered that we are dust. Or as Jesus said to the disciples, John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. Couldn't do nothing about the situation. Unavoidable. Did everything I could. I prayed my guts out. Still, I sit here in this situation. Secondly, God knows their failures and their sins in the future. Hey, isn't that exciting? I came to bless you, folks. God knows your your future failures. And he still loves you. (coughs) I said he still loves you. He still loves me, even though he already knows me. And every week I'm doing really good, and then I get in the pulpit, and the devil tries to steal my throat. I mean, I know it's an attack on the enemy. I know, because I can speak all day long this morning, and no problem. Get in the pulpit. Devil is a liar. Amen? So here's what happens. How rebellious these very Israelites had become. God will begin to put his plan into effect. They will attack his servants for making matters worse. Remember, they attacked Moses. God rescues them with a series of great miracles, and yet as soon as they see the Egyptian army approaching, they wish they were back to slavery in Egypt. And after God rescues them one more time through the Red Sea, they sing and dance on the other side. Then they begin to thirst and hunger, and they grumble, and they gripe, and they complain against God, chapter 16 of Exodus. God takes them to Sinai, speaks the Ten Commandments to them, the Word of God. And they said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Just a few days later, people make a golden calf, an idol, and they worship it. And God himself calls them a stiff-necked people. He's prepared to destroy them all. That's the wonderful people of God. Fickle. Up one day, down the next. And God loves them anyway. Aren't you glad for that? 
And those are only the failures that are recorded in the book of Exodus. We could continue to relate the history of the Israelites through the succeeding centuries and record even every event, event after event, where they disregarded and disobeyed God who loved them and brought them out of Egypt by his grace. Did God make a mistake in choosing the Israelites? Absolutely not. Did he make a mistake in choosing you and me and Oak Grove? No way. God doesn't make mistakes. Did God think they would be better than they were? By no means. Our God declares the end from the beginning. He knows our hearts. How many know he had a plan from the foundation of the earth? He knew we needed Jesus. How many here say, Pastor, we need Jesus? We need Jesus. He knows our hearts. He knows our future acts and decisions, including all of our sin. Yet he still calls us to himself by name. He's a good God. Can somebody say amen to that? He knew all the future failures of Israel, but nevertheless, he chose them to be his people. So don't be disheartened by your problem, by your remaining sin or situation. If you're truly God's person, you will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. Any overcomers in the room? This is, this is the word of the Lord. Amen? And you can be transformed into his likeness. Third thing is that uh, God knows the power of their enemy. I mean, we have a real devil. We have a real devil. And whether that power is physical disease or oppressive state, a human enemy or Satan himself, God knows the strength of the enemy. He knows all the plans and schemes and ploys of the devil. He knows all the people are going to be around you to hurt you, harm you, kick you, try to destroy you. He knows what tomorrow will hold, how the disease will advance. He knows how the army will attack. He knows how the thieves will plan to rob you. He knows who Satan will try to throw down at you. And, and, and as the author of Hebrew puts it this way, no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we give an account. God knows. Knows the enemy. He knows the enemy more than you do, right? And finally, and finally, before we show this video, he knows his plan for your life. He has a plan for your life. How many really believe that this morning? Pastor Ron, I believe he has a plan for my life. Come on, let me see your hand. I believe he has a plan for my life. My Lord. What God has already done, wow. (laughs) He already rescued Moses from death in the Nile, didn't he? He already placed Moses in the household of Pharaoh so that he would learn all he needed to learn for the future. Grew up in Pharaoh's house with the education, all the technical skills he needed to be a leader. He already placed Moses in Moses' heart, uh, a desire to save his people from the Egyptians. And soon he had appeared of Moses in the burning bush, displayed his power over all Egyptian gods through the plagues, rescued his people from slavery, slavery, and God knew all of these plans before he even called Moses. He had a plan. How many believe God has a plan? Do you believe he has a plan to get America out of the trouble she's in? Do you, have a, do you believe he has a plan to get us out of here? Absolutely. There's only two ways you're going to leave, by rupture or by rapture. Which one do you want? You, you Mr. Good, 
time to shout, Rapture! (laughs) But if not, you'll die like the rest of us. I just came to bless you. And so, it is so in your own life, as the Lord says through Jeremiah, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good, wholeness, and not for evil, to give you a future and a bright hope. And God always brings about his plans. Can somebody say amen to that? He declares, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. God knows, and here's the reason I started off with this message. Since God knows, you and I ought to trust him. Trust him. Trust him. Trust him with all of our heart. I want you to recall the end of Psalm 1. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. It means in part that the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. He guards our ways, protects us from the evil one, guides us in his paths. Also says the fact is he knows the way. God knows the way. That's why it's best to be led by God instead of going out by your own. It's always better to be led by God. He is willing to lead us if we'll follow. How he will take us from our present situation all the way until we stand before his throne, I don't know. But he knows. And just as the Israelites, he already put into place those elements necessary to bring us to himself. God has perfectly orchestrated a plan for your life. Yeah, I look at some of your stories today and over the many years we've been your pastor. Mr. I remember when you and Mike came. Hmm. And all I can do is lift my hands and praise the Lord. Dave, I remember when you and Amy came down to the altar and said, I want to be a missionary. They're getting their visas this week, maybe, and they're heading to Papua New Guinea. Hey, that was many years ago, seven years ago. I mean, oh, God has a plan. God has a plan. He orchestrates it little by little, little by little, a little bit at a time. He has a plan for you. Don't give up. Don't give in. Hold on to the ever unchanging hand of God. He will bring you through. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. God is going to have his way. The best is yet to come. You and I can't see around the corner, but he sees all. You and I don't know what's next, but he does. He remembered a covenant, and he kept his covenant. He hears every word you cry. He remembers every promise he ever made. He's faithful. Can somebody say he's faithful? Come on, lift your hands and say he's faithful. He's faithful. He's faithful, including the promise of working all things out for the good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. He hears, he remembers, he sees what's behind the curtain. He sees what's ahead. All the threats, all the dangers. When you look at a tapestry, an art, picture of art with tapestry, you see a fine, fine art piece, but you turn it around and all you see is clumps of thread. And that's, and that's how we are, friends. We, we see through a glass darkly. It doesn't even make any sense. 
But how many know if you'll just, in eternal perspective, turn that thing around, you'll see the beautiful thing God is wanting to make in your life. You'll see it if you understand God knows. He knows you. He knows your failures, your sins, your weaknesses. He knows your enemies. He knows the trials they'll put in your path. Most of all, he knows his plans for you. He knows the path by which he will lead you, how he will work with those things together for the good. So hold on. The God who made the stars also knows your name, and he knows your story, and he knows your heart. He sees, he hears, and he knows. I think that's it for me. Persevere, hold on, and trust our God who knows all things and works all things out for the good. Could you? Uh...